0: Welcome to Pod Parks, a podcast for the park minded brought to you by World Urban Parks. In this podcast, we'll embark on a journey through the world of parks, from intimate community parks to sprawling urban national parks and everything in between. Join us as we explore the beauty and diversity of these urban oases. Meet the individuals and organizations working tirelessly to preserve and improve them. Our guide will be Alice Landin, Research Development Advisor for World Urban Parks. So come along as we rediscover the green spaces that make our cities livable.
1: Welcome back to Pod Parks. I'm so happy to be here. Today is our very last episode of season one of Pod Parks, which means I am here live with Victoria Martin. Global Secretariat Coordinator of World Urban Parks to discuss what we loved from the season and where we go from here. Vitoria, thank you so much for being here.
2: Alice, I'm so excited to be here. I cannot believe that we're closing and wrapping up Season 1 of Parks. Just back in November before our World Run Parks Congress, we were planning the guests, the interviews, the agendas and the meetings. So I just cannot fathom that we are here. But this has been an incredible journey. And I think there's so many more things that um can do and that we can develop and that we can create. So this is just exciting.
1: Absolutely. I'm also extremely excited to get to chat with you in person. So I know that you're usually behind the scenes. um, And we tend to talk a lot about what themes we want to work on and what cool guests we would love. But we don't often get a chance or we've never gotten a chance actually to talk in person front of an audience for our Pod Parks listeners about some of the episodes we loved and some of the things that are going behind the scenes as
2: we create this series. So thanks again. I know. And there's like in a lot of the meetings that we have that where we produce and when we create and when we come up with these ideas for the podcast, there's never enough time. There are never enough episodes. And I bet that they're not going to be enough seasons to be able to actually dive into all the topics and all of the details that parks and public spaces can give us as a city, as a community, as a citizen. So this is just amazing. And one thing that I cannot believe also is the response that we've gotten from the audience. So just to talk a little bit about some stats, we've had more than 1100 downloads. in just When did we start this? In March. So can you imagine 1100 downloads and more than 45 countries are tuning in every week to listen to the episodes. So this is just amazing considering that we've had more than 25 guests in this first season as well. So I'm just really happy that people are being able to enjoy these episodes as well and to enjoy listening to experts from all around the globe and keep in mind as well that we had a little bit of everything in this first season that we had I don't want to say basic but we we have certain topics that are more for like the public like benefits of the park what what's a park like the first episode and a park through the ages and then We have other episodes that are more specific into different topics. So I think it's just amazing how much we can talk about these spaces and this industry. So, yeah, I'm just really excited to be finishing this season, but also to start creating our second one.
1: Oh, my God. Likewise. And I want to take it back to like the first thing you said of just the diversity of things that we can talk about and as you say like when we were planning these episodes out rather than having to dig through things that we wanted to share we had to limit ourselves to like what Mm -hmm. is the most amount of information that we can bring to people in 20-30 minutes and a couple of episodes because there's just so much out there and one of the things that I just loved most about this first season was finding the history of parks. I don't know about you, but like that one first episode, the episode one and episode three about the history of parks and how parks have uh-huh. evolved through societies. I, I think sometimes parks appear as such a vital part of modern societies that we often take for granted how long it has taken us to get to this place and all of the stories and all of the um, work that has had to happen for us to get to where we are and to our understanding and I found that so surprising
2: yes and especially because like there has been an evolution and as the episode is um named like there has been the part through the ages but it also differentiates between the context of the community and the city and the culture and the history. So for example, in this first episode, you talked about about the combination of inclusion, discrimination and exclusion, of course, that has been going on in the history of parks from the beginning up to now. So it is enlightening, but it's also surprising to see how more it had, like the different things that we can find from like back in the ages to now but how there are certain things that haven't changed still and how we're still trying to find a solution and we've improved in so many things but we have to continue doing the work
1: absolutely and as you say I think I mentioned this in the first episode but the history of parks is at the end like a history of power and of control Mm -hmm. um as is the history of most things, right? But, like, something that right now is used to build community, to um help connect people, has, on one side, been used for that. And, like, there are things that we've always kind of known, as you say, like, from their early beginnings, parks were a way for people to gain health and to gain sunlight exposure. Whereas there's other things that have been so problematic like there's been so many communities that have been displaced and there have been policies that have been implemented to exclude people from accessing parks and to create this division between park users and park non-users that we also have to recognize while we continue to do the work as you say
2: yes and and while we evolve because we are ever evolving society, um, in the episode three of the rise of parks, we talked about how before the first world war, like parks had become an essential part of blooming the city life and also how they were designed to create both an escape from the urban environment and to promote physical and mental health of the city residents. And even though back then that was a change right now, that's what we use our parks and public spaces for because we've been growing so much in a non control way that right now, especially after the pandemic, we are going back to this. So it's really interesting to see the balance between how we are still dealing with some of the things that we used before, but also how we are implementing different strategies, different tools. And something that we need to highlight here is the alliances and the collaborations that we can do cross organizations and cross regions, because there's always something to learn from others. And right now we globalization and everything, and we can see how parks and public spaces are becoming a priority for the cities and for the decision makers which is a very important thing
1: yeah and just to add to that like you're so right we cycle again and again through history and I think collaborations are so important and that's why I love getting the chance to talk to people from all around the world because in some cities we are trying to get like city A is trying to get to where City B is right now with regards to their city planning or their parks planning without acknowledging that City B has gone through maybe say three, 400 years of mm-hmm. city history and park history. And I think we need to acknowledge all of these learning opportunities and all the knowledge that we carry from our history to mm-hmm. move forward.
2: Yes, and, and something that is also very important is from, as you said, like CDA wants to get where City B is, but we have to realize, and I always say this, like there's not a perfect formula, like we can learn from yeah. others, but we still need to contextualize that to our reality and to what we're facing because challenges may look similar, but there's different perspectives that we need to take into consideration. But um, in general, we can see that parks and public spaces now are part of the democratic life And that are part of the everyday life of a person. And that's very important. And as of before, it was just for a certain group of people. So there we can see just a huge change on the reality and the context and the narrative of these spaces.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that takes me to, I want to discuss the recurring themes that we saw in the season with you. And one of the main themes that we saw time and time again was equity, right? We talked about it with Jane Miller in episode seven, for example, and she Just highlighted so eloquently all of the historical inequities that have shaped how people have access or don't have access to parks. And also how this has even evolved into the relationship between people, between citizens and park managers and city planners who are now maybe trying to turn things around, right? Yes.
2: And something about like there's so many things that go into equity because it's not only access right? It's also yeah. the shape of the parks. It's also the infrastructure, the maintenance, the community involvement that there's in these um, spaces. So something that I find really important for the equity part is the quality that we can find in our spaces and in our parks, because sometimes, or most of the times, underserved communities or underserved neighborhood in the cities, they're used to something really different from other parts of the same city. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, and yesterday I was talking about this with another organization, like the word quality is so important and we should have standards for our parks and what we can find in these. Taking into consideration, obviously, um, the context and the possibilities of each space, but the community shouldn't be suffering just because of certain consequences that they are not up to them. Like I said, like underserved communities or minorities, they should be able to find the same thing in their parks than they do in other sectors or in other um, social classes. So I feel like that's very important in some of the things that we do, for example, here in World, World Parks is to try to find tools and strategies that can help us manage our parks and our spaces in equally throughout Mm -hmm. the regions and throughout the cities, no matter where they are.
1: Yeah. And I love that you highlight that because it brings me to another episode, which also talked about equity, which was um, episode nine on cities for children, right? And Mm -hmm. one thing that our experts discussed time and time again was how when they are invested in equitably and when we take care of the quality of a space, parks and public spaces can serve as an equalizer for childhood development, right? Like parks can help serve all of those things that are lacking in your house, in your school, in your community. And that's why I think it's so important to create this equitable investments to talk about quality when we discuss the existence of our parks.
2: Yes. And I think that's something that since we are kids and since like the young stage of our lives it impacts our parks and our spaces where we go and where we try to discover the world and the life and everything so as you were saying in this episode we talk about how it's so important for childhood development which brings us to another thing that we discussed a lot throughout the first season that it sparks through different life stages and how these spaces impact our life like we always say that for example sometimes parks are just designed for one specific reason or for one specific public let's say kids but kids don't go on their own to the park so what happens to the rest of the family what happens to the mom the dad the grandparent so it's really amazing to see what how one same space can impact a person no matter their age. So, for example, in episode 12, we we're talking about how they are conducting different research studies that have different but very similar findings, that how parks are so, so important for your whole life development, especially as you age. And that's one of the reasons why in World One Parks we have an aging committee, because yeah. we need to be able to discover all of these strategies from the design, from the maintenance, from how we think, and how we have that mindset, especially for certain um stage of our lives in the parks,
1: yeah. And in that episode, one thing that I it just baffled me was how park access and park enjoyment not only influenced that stage life in which you're in. So, like, if you are currently a child, it mm-hmm. will help your childhood development, but also, like if you had access to parks as children, you were probably going to be better off as adults. And if you had access to parks as an adult, you were probably going to be better off when you were older. And how like your your park history also influences all of these different life stages. And I, I that just baffles me. And I think it goes really hand in hand with episode four uh, with Tim Geyer, in which he mentioned a study case in which there was this intergenerational communications and like children would talk to grown adults and grown adults would talk to the elderly with regards to how they they related to their park and I loved hearing about it because it showed how it didn't only help communities understand each other better but it also helped create more equitable spaces and start taking into account these different life stages and what different people need to be able to get the same benefits out of their parks. Totally.
2: And something that we already mentioned is how it's a cycle. Something Mm -hmm. that we mentioned before, and I think is really interesting and really important is, for example, in a past Congress that I attended, there was this um, speaker that was talking about how there was this study that showed how pregnant women that went to parks, their kids had a, a better development. Towards yeah. their first life stage. So even before being born, you're already
1: You're um, already so present to the world around you, right? Exactly. You're already responding to it.
2: Exactly. So it's it's a cycle because if if your parents don't have the possibilities to take you to a park since before you were born, and then you are born and you don't have the possibility and then you grow up. So it's just a cycle that we need to break. And I think these studies and how we implement these different um ways of creating more equitable spaces are very important because we need to to improve so we can have a better better communities and better societies. As we're talking about these cycles and how important it is, we go back to the interview with um Leti Lozano who talks about the importance of parks for children's healthy development, which is why we also have this committee. In, in world one parks because we need to take into consideration again how these parks affect and how they impact all of our lives even if you're just going to work and you have to walk past the park that changes your perspective of your whole day and that's why in places and in countries like the U.S. that's actually a prescription that the doctor can give you like you need mm. to walk 30 minutes daily in the park not just go to the gym or something like actually go out explore, be with nature, and how that impacts your your mental health, your physical health, and your development throughout life.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Now, another thing that we discussed just over and over and over again, and I think it ties a lot to health especially, is how data and information is being used nowadays to understand the world of parks better and also how we are trying to use data and information to better influence where we build parks, how we build parks, and for who we build parks, right? So one of my favorite episodes of the season, for example, was our episode with Trust for Public Land where they talked about the different park initiatives that they had and all these evaluations, both the park score and the 15-minute walk program. And how they, as an organization, were actually influencing investment around the US and creating more equitable parks around the US by being able to analyze data and show this information to policymakers, to mayors to park professionals as to like, hey, this works, this isn't working, this
2: is where you're lacking. Yes, and especially because we have to think that most countries when it comes to their parks and their spaces, they are managed by the local municipalities or like federal or state level governments. And they move, the decision makers move with numbers, with data, with information. So it's very important to have these statistics so you can actually show them, hey, parks, public spaces need to be a priority in your agenda. And that's how we start creating different ways of actually managing budgets, public policies, um, everything that goes into place. So this is why it's so important to have different evaluations as um TPL has. And it's just amazing how... There's different resources that can help us do that. If you're need, if you a manager that is listening to this episode, please make sure to check organizations as Trust for Public Land or World to One Parks, um, NRPA in the US, Statsburg in the Netherlands. Like these are organizations that can help you have better information because sometimes it doesn't necessarily translate as directly from the operation and the management to actually how it impacts the city. And we can talk about different impacts. Like it can be, as we said, in health, or it can be in the tourism and the economics. And that's how we actually make them, again, put parks and spaces in their agendas.
1: Yeah. And now that you mentioned Stadsburg, uh we had an episode where we showed Martin Loffen's presentation at the World Urban Parks Congress 2022. And he was making the case exactly for how Stadsberg is making science-backed policy measures just a priority. I remember he mentioned, and just so many other people mentioned throughout the season, this the exact thing that you're saying right now, right? So municipal governments tend to have to manage a finite budget, and your parks budget is going to be competing with your roads budget, and your health budget, and your social budget. and yeah. A lot of the times, when we're running in blind through life and through uh, public policy making, it's so easy to like pit parks against other social, health, economic, and yeah. environmental infrastructure and benefits. When, as you mentioned, and like as all of these studies are finding, parks are actually vital infrastructure for health for the economy, for tourism, for transportation and creating in-depth analyses that are both at a macro scale, at like what's happening in the world, but also at local scales and at like community interaction scales can help us make better decisions and can help us understand where parks are having the most impact and what parks signify to their communities and to citizens' lives
2: yes and something that we have to realize is that parks are the tool that we need to tackle all of these other issues so yes. if you want to work on public health if you want to you to work towards safety or the um economical part of your city parks can help you with this they can help you with the connectivity they can help you to make um, your city is safer, they can help you manage the public health crisis that is going on. So actually investing in your parks is a way to tackle all of these other issues and to save you certain budgets and certain numbers. And it's, I feel like it's the strategic planning of how to deal with different things that are going in, in your community.
1: And I think that ties in very well with the fourth theme that was recurring throughout the season, which is this evolution of parks, right? The future of parks. And many of the things that our experts found was that through this data and through this information, we are seeing how parks affect not only the things that we've known for millennia, like health, but also more modern issues like climate change. Uh, We saw time and time again, the need for parks, for climate adaptation, for climate Uh, mitigation so in our episode 14 of resilient cities we saw a lot of different examples of experts and park managers who are trying to use their park system and their local system to advance climate action regardless of whatever else is happening in the city or in the country right
2: yes in something um in this same episode that you're mentioning in episode fourteen we have Brenton Greer from Adelaide and something that they have been doing is taking this strategy as Adelaide as a national park city, which means that the whole system is working towards resilient city, the climate adaptation through an articulated way of working. So all of the different offices from the city and all of the different sectors are actually implementing these strategies. Because sometimes it happens, as we all know, in different countries, like maybe the parks industry is working alone towards something and Mm -hmm. the other industry is working alone Toward something, or maybe toward the same thing, but since they are not articulated and there's no communication between these and there's not a program that joins them, then it's more difficult to get to, get to that goal, let's say, to get to that result. And what we do, or what we want to do at the end is to have these cities that can take into consideration climate and that can take into consideration equity, what we just mentioned, or how... In, for example, in episode 13, we talk about national urban parks and their place in the cities and how Julia um, Rees mentions about the rewilding the city and the mix of the conservation and the efforts for the reconciliation that there has to be between everything that we've done and everything that we're trying to improve towards these spaces. So I think it's very important to think, especially in how to, as I was saying, to create these alliances and creating these collaborations from the day-to-day operations, for example, in the park towards something more mid-level or federal level.
1: Now that you mentioned Julia's episode, I found this idea of national urban parks so interesting because of what they're doing with reconciling their history and their future and trying to connect them and build something together rather than fighting them, right? So I thought that was a really great example of things that are already happening. And another episode that was just so much fun to almost daydream with, was George Ben conference at the World Urban Parks Congress. So he talked about biocells and park arrangement in cities and how we can reconfigure the way that we're building our homes and our communities and our cities around parks and around nature to help rebuild societies in ways that we have never imagined, but always kind of accepted in ways that imitate nature and work with it instead of trying to work against it and isolating us. And that was a breath of fresh air. I think a lot of times we are, we're fighting nature rather than recognizing that we are nature and that we should be trying to, I'm going to stop it right there. Drawers conference was great. I can't even put it into words.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I think you said the just what I was thinking. Like we, we got the opportunity to listen to Drawer in in our last Congress, and it was just mind blowing and it was almost like daydreaming of what he was saying, but it's actually so natural and it does make sense. Like, why should we be working against or separate from nature when we actually need to enhance it? And to yeah. bring it together with our communities. So sometimes it happened with when I was listening to Drawer, like it sounds like so far away, but it's actually happening right now in different countries and in different projects. So it's very important to be able to change our mindset and to be able to open our, ourselves and our daily work through different systems and different ways of engaging with how we see and how we view parks and how we view not only parks, but also every like green space and open yeah. space that there's in our city or yeah. in our region
1: and how we view our city. Right. So I don't know have talked about this a little bit, but one of the reasons why I love environmental communications and climate communications, I think there's a very big power an even bigger power than we can imagine to imagining the city that we want to inhabit and the city that we want to build. And when we start creating those narratives and when we start creating those dreams or those hopes together, we start slowly paving the way to get there, right? So if we don't have a goal and if we don't have... Um, a dream of what we want to achieve, or what values we want our society to have and our communities to have, it's going to be much harder to create a pathway to get there. So not to pat ourselves on the back. But I think that's (laughs) where resources like pod parks can come in to bring this collective imagination together. And to start drawing that picture of the city that we want to build of the parks that we want to build and the communities that we want to be a part of.
2: Yeah, and I think the key of what you just said and what we've been talking about is to pave this together, to work in collaboration, to be able to listen to each other and to be able to create these safe spaces and to see parks and to see public spaces, open areas, green areas as something that is multidisciplinary. So we need biologists, we need engineers we need marketers we need everyone that we can get because there's so many things that we've already discussed that need to happen in order to take advantage of these spaces we need the community inv- involvement we need the maintenance we need the infrastructure like there's there's no way that we can just work with one mind like again we need to work collaborative towards one same goal and we need as you said to pave this way together so we can get to the goal that we want so now that we've talked about this and creating like a little recap we've talked about the recurring themes in this season we talked about equity the parks through different life stages data and information the evolution of parks but i would be interested to know and I'm curious about what do you think we should talk about in the next season? Should we talk about more specific things like neighborhoods, biodiversity, inclusion, management, maybe? Or I don't know, Alice, what do you expect from season two? What would you like to see?
1: Oh, that is such a great question. And I'm going to take a quick chance to plug in The feedback form, which is still open. So we have received a lot of feedback already. Please keep bringing it in because we really want to make season two just as great as we possibly can for you. But um, so far, we have had a very big interest in narrative episodes. So these episodes where we mix a lot of different experts to discuss one specific theme. But I've both had the interest in and seen interest in other people to start digging further into like really niche topics. Mental health is one of them, urban biodiversity, and a term called symbiosis. We've heard about gardens and garden tourism and different things that we may or may not consider parks, cemeteries, diving deeper into climate mitigation and how urban forests can help mitigate climate emissions. There are just so many niche topics that relate to perks that would be so much fun to explore as we have through different experts, through different experiences from just all around the world.
2: Yeah, I think there is a lot of things that we could talk about. And as you said, we uh, have already been receiving so much feedback And I think that's very important. We were just talking about collaborating together. So let's work together towards making this um, season two of Parks the greatest season that we've seen, which I must say, that's a big challenge because (laughs) this first one has been a great opening to this project.
1: Yeah, no, we're just getting started and we're a small and we're a scrappy team. But being able to collaborate with all of these experts into bringing the best and the worst of parks together in this collective narrative and in all of these different themes and exploring has been so much fun. And I cannot wait to see what next season brings.
2: Uh, Yeah, as you said, this has been a great season and there's just so many more things that we can talk about. And, but one of the things that we still need to highlight in every episode and in every season is the benefit of parks. So let's go ahead and listen in to some of the experts and what they have to say about this.
0: Uh, clearly sustainability of our environment from a planet perspective. You know, trees reduce carbon, uh, provide uh, trees and green spaces, provide stormwater management that is natural instead of these big concrete boxes right we provide for us as humans that those aha moments that sustain us emotionally socially physically
3: and there's something you know really great about when you have a park that you go to and you see people there that you recognize and maybe you're you know it's your dog walking park it's people who are doing the loop all the time it's the set of kids you start to have this shared sense of place and a shared sense of community. And that, that 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 has led to people being more open to just living among diverse people, people who are very different from them. You sort of see them being normal, doing normal things, taking care of their kids, taking care of themselves. Like suddenly whatever you thought was different or scary is just like out the window because you're all just outside. You know, taking care of yourself, taking your family. There's this like meeting point that happens in a park. You know, very um, tangibly, and then kind of mentally and psychologically. That I think is the real power of parks. And so it's just, um, it's, it's. I can only think of it as diverse, since you're forcing me you to pick one thing, which is.
0: Uh, look, from the work I've done, I would say the greatest benefit would be the the community health and well-being. I've seen that in, in so many areas where I've been and I've I've seen the opposite where there is no parks. Um so from where I've been working from I see that. Now, yes I could I could say that biodiversity is critically important and nature in the, in the city is important. But yeah, I I my personal and professional view it's community health and well being.
2: To remember to climb a tree. Oh, okay. I
1: love it. I think if we all had the ability or the possibility to climb a tree, we would be less stressed, we would be more playful, we would have opportunities to talk with other generations, either to learn from our grandparents on how they used to climb a tree, or to, to you know teach, um, I don't know, in my case, my nephew, how to climb a tree.
3: Certainly, the human health perspective is the most important, I think, but uh, with equity. So, uh, and I, I want to mention this. So, green spaces and parks uh, can have huge benefits, but have also risks for human health, and we need to balance those. And we always we don't need to create more inequities in our cities. So, we need to have this kind of health equity vision when we are planning.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's mental health. Like being able to go to the park uh, and be with my kids. I think we're. I'm. I am definitely very connected to my computer and my device, like everyone. <laughs> and going out to the park it reminds me. That it sounds a bit cheesy. It reminds me that I'm like a human being in this world. Yeah. It reminds us that yeah, we're part of something bigger, uh, and and that it's not we're not the only living things on Earth. There's trees and plants, and uh, yeah, that to me that that's the thing that strikes me whenever I'm in the park space. All my sort of anxieties can lessen, and I can remember that you know there's one earth and we're here and and we have a an important role and responsibility to play you heard it here first folks you heard it right from the source <laughs> well i think this is a great way to end today's episode and to end this first season of pod parks remember that we're going to be back on july 19th with more and better content so in the meantime please keep sending us your feedback so that we can craft a better season 2 Continue to enjoy this season's episode. Maybe, you know, tune tune in on what you missed. Maybe go and re-listen to some of your favorite episodes or go back to some of the ones we talked about today that maybe you weren't as attentive to. And do let us know what you think. Podparks exists thanks to you. Um, so thank you again. But also, let's keep creating... And let's keep building on this momentum and help us grow this community of Hot Parks enthusiasts.
2: <laughs> yes. And of course, we want to invite you to join the growing community that we're building over here at World of Parks. Remember that we have a great online community platform where you can find a digital library with more than a thousand documents, different resources. We have a blog, we have webinars. Of course, we have these podcasts and we also have different committees where you can collaborate with other experts from other regions. And also, we hope to see you soon in October in Adelaide for our World Urban Parks Congress that we're organizing in collaboration with Parks and Leisure Australia and Green Adelaide. So we're excited for you to be able to join us in this event and to join us as a member of World Urban Parks Alice, I don't want to leave without thanking you for having me here in the hot parks. This has been an amazing journey and I cannot wait to continue creating more episodes with you and with the rest of our team.
1: Thank you, Victoria, for everything that you've done. Thank our amazing team. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And as always, I want to make a suggestion to go out and explore
2: your nearest park. And with that, we'll see you very, very soon.
0: Thank you for listening to PodParks by World Urban Parks. PodParks is written and hosted by Alice Landin, produced by Vitoria Martin and Luis Roman, sound engineering by Vladimir Yanez. Don't forget to visit worldurbanparks.org and explore the resources our online community has for you Get out, explore, connect.